The late chief rabbi, Jonathan Sachs, famously declared that the Torah is a song and that we are its collective singers. And yet, no one who walks into an Orthodox synagogue today can avoid noticing that the Torah readers or the Torah singers, if you like, are all men. This is very odd. In practically every other area of Jewish life, women's roles have changed entirely, dramatically, in recent years. They serve as community leaders and synagogue chairs. They study Torah to a high level. They teach. They fill important public positions in the secular world. And their leadership in public life is recognised in the synagogue. Indeed, these qualities, communal leadership and Torah scholarship, are exactly the hallmarks of the individuals whom the Shulchan Aruch declares should be called to read or to sing from the Torah or to recite the blessings over the Torah reading. And yet, even though the women of our communities may embody these qualities, these women continue to be excluded from communal Torah reading. Most members of Orthodox synagogues just shrug their shoulders, assuming that Jewish practice forbids women to be called to the Torah. But the position is more nuanced. Traditional rabbinic sources do offer significant flexibility in calling women to the Torah. However, these traditional rabbinic sources are unknown to most members of Orthodox synagogues, and most rabbis will not teach them, perhaps preferring to keep the feminists in their communities in the dark. So the purpose of this podcast is to turn on the light. I am Benedict Roth, an informal educator based in London, but trained at the Pardes Institute, a mixed Beit Midrash located in Jerusalem. Over the next six episodes, I will take you through the traditional rabbinic sources of women's Torah reading, both where they permit and where they restrict. In the description of each podcast episode and on the podcast website, you will find links to the sources themselves, fully translated, so that you can study them yourself and come to your own conclusions. The story begins in the Mishnah, in the Tractate of Megillah. The Mishnah is a snapshot of Jewish law at the end of the second century of the Common Era, compiled by Rabbi Yudah HaNasi, the leader of the Jewish community at that time in the land of Israel. The tractate of Megillah deals in principle with reading Megillat Esther, the story of Esther on Purim. But by the by, it deals with Torah reading as well. And it declares, Katan Kore 
But Torah umutargem, a child can read from the Torah and may translate. And we find this very surprising. A child can't perform any other means of art on behalf of the community. How is it that the child can read from the Torah for the community? And the Meiri, a Spanish commentator on the Talmud, writing in the 13th century, explains, Katan koreba Torah she'ein ha'kavana ela la'ashmia la'am. A child can read from the Torah. This refers to reading from the Torah for the community. Because the only purpose is to make the people hear. This, he goes on to explain, this is not a commandment like the other commandments, where we need, in order to fulfill the commandment, we may need to hear it from someone who themselves is obligated. If we hear Kiddush on Friday night, we need to hear it from someone who's obliged to recite Kiddush. In other words, an adult. We couldn't fulfill our obligation to hear Kiddush on Friday night by hearing it from a child. And yet, declares the Meiri, and for that matter, the Mishnah Megillah, reading Torah is somehow different. The only purpose of reading from the Torah is to make the people hear. And the Jerusalem Talmud in Megillah, declares along the same lines. Rabbi Zera, B'Shem Rabbi Yirmiya, Ha'eved ole le minyan shiva. Rabbi Zera said in the name of Rabbi Yirmiya that a slave counts towards the seven. Who are these seven? He means the seven who are called up on Shabbat. Not only can we call our child, it seems that we can call a slave. What is going on? The Rosh, Rabbi Asher Yechiel, again writing in the 13th, well, the 13th, 14th century, in his commentary on Masechet Brachot, explains it in the following words. The fact that a child, a slave, and a woman, notice at this point he brings in a woman as well. The fact that a child, a slave, and a woman, who are not included in the command to study Torah. They're not obliged to study Torah, these three categories. The fact that nevertheless they are included among the seven who are called up on Shabbat is because, and now he's going to repeat the words of the Me'iri, is because the Sefer Torah is to be heard. The only purpose of the call-up is to make the Torah heard. And then he goes on to discuss the blessing. The blessing is not in vain. Of course, we're incredibly careful about reciting an unnecessary blessing. But this blessing is not in vain, he says, because we don't say, we don't say who has commanded us regarding words of Torah, but instead we say, and he's quoting now from the, the blessings before the Torah reading, Asher Bachabanu, Asher Natanlanu, who has chosen us or who has given us. It seems somehow that the child and the slave and the woman, even though they're not commanded to study Torah, nevertheless they fit into the category of those who are chosen, those who have been given. Going back to the words of the late chief rabbi, 
they are they may be part of the collective singers even though they're not commanded to study it explicitly someone who's not commanded may nevertheless be chosen the talmud again in the tractate of megillah goes on to discuss specifically the question of a woman reading from the torah and it declares, this is a famous, famous declaration on page 23a of the Babylonian Talmud in Megillah. Hakol olin leminyan shiva. Everyone can be included in the quorum of seven. What are these seven? These are the seven who were called up on Shabbat. Anybody be, can be included among these seven. Va'afilu katan va'afilu isha. Even a child and even a woman. Children and women are eligible for call-ups on Shabbat. But, there's always a but. Aval, Amru Chachamim, the sages said, The sages said that a woman should not read from the Torah because of kavod hatzibur, respect for the public or the honor of the public or perhaps the honor of the community. In principle, a woman's reading is valid, and yet there's something about it which is not fitting, perhaps which is demeaning to the community. The Talmud doesn't explain what this is, but it leaves us with that thought. It leaves us with a ruling, you may say, which is tantalizingly ambiguous. On one hand, making clear that a woman's reading is valid, but on the other hand, making clear that somehow it's not fitting. And something of this idea is picked up in the Tosefta. The Tosefta is a work which is parallel to the Mishnah. It includes material which Rabbi Yudah Hanasi left out of the Mishnah. And the Tosefta begins by, by outlining how many people are required to read from the Torah at different times. So beyond of Hamisha, Yom Kippurim Shisha, Shabbat Shiva, on Yom Tov 5, on Yom Kippur 6, on Shabbat 7. These are the minimum number of readers required. And the Tosefta goes on to say, Hakol olin leminyan shiva afilu isha afilu katan. Everyone counts towards the quorum of seven. These are the seven on Shabbat. Even a woman even a child but it closes we don't bring a woman to read in public again as if it's somehow demeaning to a community to bring a woman in to read for it in the public of course we need to bear in mind that in the time of the talmud unlike today to be called to the Torah meant that you had to read your own portion. So finding seven qualified readers may not always have been straightforward. Seven readers who were able to read from the Torah scroll with the correct grammar and the correct intonation. Perhaps a woman would have been required. But the Tosefta seems to be saying it's not fitting to bring a woman into the community to carry out this task. 
With this tantalizing ambivalence, we're going to close this episode of the podcast. In the next episode, we're going to investigate the concept of kavod hatsibur, respect for the public, in a little bit more detail. What is respect for the public? Where does it apply? And why should a woman's Torah reading infringe respect for the public? That or those are the subjects of the next episode. Mm-hmm.